0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pumpkinhead podcast. My name is Lyric, and today we're going to have a chill episode. We talk about romance, a few tropes that I love, and a f- little bit of discourse that's been going on Twitter. I am currently starting to read, full disclosure. Um, I just finished reading One Last Stop by Carrie McQueston, which I do want to talk about in a later episode, but I kind of want to... Uh, finish reading or start reading I Kiss Sarah Wheeler and then talk about all of her books. But enough of that. Um, Remember last week (laughs) when I said that I was going to be rounding up traveling and things are going to be a bit more normal? It turned out that I guess I was lying because I am currently on another business trip. So if the audio seems a little weird, I apologize. I'm working on getting a better mic overall, so you might just hear some audio changes in the next couple episodes. Please bear with me. I just want us to have the best quality that we can um, as we go through these episodes. So like I said, today I kind of wanted to just have a chill conversation about romance, specifically romance novels, um, but I guess a little bit about books too, or sorry, movies too, since my brain is just in pages right now, but um, recently I've been on romance Twitter or whatever, um, increasingly so, I have a book Twitter where I just kind of keep up with different authors and writers I'm interested in. And usually um it's more skewed towards like YA or like book of drama, booktube. But lately like romance is all in those tags. So As some of you guys may know, I am a reformed romance hater. Um <laughs> I used to well backtrack. My reading journey started with science fiction, then fantasy. And things, elements that I always loved in those books were romance, but I felt like I couldn't enjoy it because I was quote not like other girls, and it was too cliche and too cheesy, and whatever. But secretly, romance is what I looked for in all of my books. And then during the pandemic, I discovered how much I actually loved the genre, and it became a big part of the books that I consume. I think anyone that looks at my bookshelves would be like that person reads a lot of young adult and a lot of romance. And so that is kind of why this new, and maybe it's not even new, I guess, reoccurring discourse that I've been seeing has been so interesting to me. I am a firm, hard firm, lover of enemies to lovers. Specifically, my favorite trope, and I always say this, is rivals to enemies to reluctant acquaintances to friends to lovers so I only like the friends to lovers if there's like an abundance of angst mixed in or some odd circumstance I do want to do an episode um in the future that's kind of like tropes that I normally don't like, but this book does it for me, and that would be one of them. I'm just not a big friends to lovers, so I'm used to the discourse between enemies slash rivals to lovers versus, you know, friends to lovers and people that enjoy that, but the new, I don't even know if it's an argument, but just, I guess, take that I keep seeing is that romance does not require a happy ever after or at least a happy for now. Um, if you see H-E-A, by the way, online, happy ever after, and H-F-N is happy for now. (laughs) Um, and what those means is, what those mean in relation to romance, a happy ever after means that they end up together, that it's, you know, Cinderella gets her prince and that's the end of her story. They are going to be in love forever. Happy for now, um, could be like a category of the romances where it's like one day romance where like... We only get this shot or, you know, our love. We know it's going to expire, but that's the beauty of it. Is this happy for now um, situation? Or maybe it's even just you can think of it as like we're too young and we think that this is a happy ever after. But as adult readers, we know that it's not something like that would be happy for now. But the whole idea of a romance, the rule of romance books are typically that. To call it a romance, the two love interests have to end up together. Now, I think that creating genres and publication is extremely interesting. For instance, why some books are called romance and they can have very explicit scenes in them, but you don't call them erotica, whereas erotica can have a lot of love and emotions in it, but you don't call it a romance. And those are really based off what is the intention of the story. So for instance, an erotica could have a happy ever after or happy for now. It could have romance. But if the idea is to elicit a certain response, it's going to be called erotica. And now sometimes things can get flicked- conflicted with Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, I don't think it's personally successful in either category. But depending on where you find that bookshelf, sometimes it's going to be erotica and sometimes it's going to be romance. So there is crossover. So, I just think in general, how we talk about romance books and the content and how we label them is interesting, but the discourse is actually saying that romance books don't need that. And since a big staple of the genre, a big thing of what categorizes a book from just having romantic elements to being a romance, is that happy ever after? And honestly, it's a big part of why I read this genre. I love love and i love reading about the meat cutes and the ain'ts and the wanting and then knowing that there's a safety net in this book where i know that they're going to end up together no matter what happens it's what makes this a you know exciting thing to read for me or just that there's a i know it's going to be safe i guess i know what i'm getting into it's comfortable it's something i can read on my off day when i'm having a bad day and i know that the outcome's going to be good it's something to look forward to so that's a big part of why i enjoy romance another part of why i enjoy it is just that i i think it's fun i love mess i love like the ooh like, like feelings and you know i'm blushing and i'm covering my mouth i love those kind of things and so i feel like for it to be categorized as romance or something to be in the romance genre, you need to have a happy ever after. But this ideal has been questioned a lot um, lately in romance book discourse with people wanting, I guess, different outcomes. And I am not for This take, it's not my personal take, but I am interested in why this may be. I think as a culture, what we want from our romances have shifted. I mean, when I was 17, well, 14, 16, 17, whatever, I wanted an Edward Cullen. I wanted someone that got jealous. I wanted someone that was possessive. I wanted to be their whole world, you know? I wanted those kind of stories. I wanted to feel special. That's the kind of love that I felt like I needed or would validate me. So those kind of stories were my bread and butter. I love those things. I loved reading about fallen angels falling in love with mortal girls, with vampires falling in love with mere mortal girls, (laughs) with the werewolves. You you get the picture? Um, I think those kind of books were a self-fulfillment of you can be special and be loved regardless of however you feel about yourself and that love can make you even more powerful and as a young adult reading these books consuming these books that message meant a lot to me it helped me through those times then as a young woman who was dating the kind of love stories that I wanted also shifted the kind of self-fulfillment that I needed shifted. I wanted romances where there was communication. I think most people can agree that one of the worst <laughs> tropes is miscommunication. And I actually kept a book on my bookshelf that I it's not my favorite. It's three stars at best, because there was no miscommunication. Every time there was a Oh, I overheard this, they talked about it. So that made the plot was a little less uh, dense, <laughs> I guess. But it was refreshing, and so I kept it on my bookshelf. I was like, this is an example of things that can happen. By the way, the book is called Faker, if you're interested. But, you know, I love all of the weird, messy tropes of the genre. I love, you know, the fake dating. I love enemies, lovers, forced proximity. There was only one bed. I love all that jazz. But what I'm needing within those tropes has changed. I want a guy who communicates. I want a guy who cares about his job. I actually am a huge sucker for workplace romances. I realized this about myself very recently, and I think it's because being in my mid-20s working, you know, and caring about work has made me want to see protagonists that do that. I saw this tweet recently or actually it was a TikTok that was talking about what people perceive the female gaze to be and it's like oh my gosh this guy's so hot oh my god look at his abs blah blah but really it's like oh my god he did the dishes so she didn't have to he made her soup when she was sick it's like that kind of protection it's not the Edward Coleman I watch you when you sleep kind of vibe it's the hey I noticed you had a cold so I put some medicine in your bag have a good day Hey, I made you tea because I know that's a drink that you like and you're stressed out. Have a good day. Like it's moved into a a less of a I am protecting you because you are weak or you can't protect yourselves or I'm this big superior entity. I am inhuman. And you are just a mere mortal who I must take care of until we are a partnership and I noticed you needed help. And so I did this for you without being asked. Oh, my goodness. You know, Um, I also guys, I love tropes. I'm sorry. I love tropes. So I also love the like we were kind of enemies, but then I got sick and you took care of me. So I love it in anime. I love it in books. And I'm going to use an example And I feel bad because i talked to a few different people about this movie with varying opinions. So if you do like it, I love you and you're valid and important. But Purple Hearts, the movie on Netflix, uses so many elements of tropes that I typically enjoy. And I was disgusted. So maybe there's something to a writer's language and an art. Because I read a, a book, actually, that was pretty similar in plot to, well... Pretty similar in vibe to Purple Hearts and what they were trying to achieve. Um, And it's called Meet Me in the Middle. Um, And it actually, I was a little giggling. I was a little kicking my feet. And I knew if I had read Purple Hearts, I would be doing the same thing. But it's something different about watching it where I was like, ugh. But it had literally that, like, I'm going to take care of you while you're sick. We are mutually partners protecting each other. Enemies to lovers. forced proximity. Only one bed. All of those tropes. was even a cute dog and I hated that movie so all this to be said I have a love and appreciation of this genre and I'm curious why such a central part of it is being questioned as if it needs to be there do these characters need to end up together and if they don't can you still call it a romance I think no at least in this specific situation where we're talking about books I think movies can have a little bit more leeway where you can call I can think of three sorry four very romantic movies that I love that I feel like are romance and that they are actually heartbreak films um in my humble opinion <laughs> so why am I so against romance not having a happy ending in books and why is a culture Are we wanting that? Another thing that popped up on Romance Twitter recently, um, and I do not have all of the information on this, so I do encourage you guys to look it up yourselves. But there was this discourse about this book um, being mocked or bullied online. Um, It was stated as if this was a traditionally published book backed by, you know, the big houses, the big publishers, and the original tweet, which I saw in my timeline, was kind of saying, like, use this as an inspiration, this horrible book as an inspiration that anything you can do can be published, and I will be upset if my manuscript doesn't get picked up, right? And the tweet mentioned that the um, MC or the main, the MMC, which is main male character, guys, I'm sorry, I'm really deep in it, um, they, I guess, they shat the bed, guys, (laughs) and then, I guess, hid it from their partner, and that's all of the information I was giving in the tweet, so it's like, okay, weird, what's going on, but then as you dig a little bit deeper, people were generally upset, and there were two, you know, Camps on this. People that were vehemently being like, that's disgusting. I don't want that in my romance. I purposely seek out, it's a wish fulfillment thing, so I purposely seek out able body, this and that. And then there were people who I feel rightfully so were calling that ableist because what the original tweet failed to mention was that this book had a main character that had a disease that has them lose facilities and for a lot of people seeing this in a romance made them feel lovable made them feel seen and appreciated and then to have this thing exist which was not traditionally published by the way they were coming after a self-published book with a smaller following um so i guess if there's a takeaway from this it's that eyes that maybe weren't on it have now been on this book but it got unjustfully hated and people were talking about, do we just want able-bodied, beautiful, you know, protagonists that don't really reflect us? What does our wish fulfillment look like? Um, in 90% of the romance books that I read, the main character is five, if that... If they can reach, f- not five, oh my gosh, I realize I forgot to finish my sentence. <laughs> they are five feet tall. <laughs> not five years old, they are five feet tall. If that, sometimes shorter, sometimes they reach the height of five, five. I am not a five, five girly. I lied to myself for many years that I was 5'7". That is a legit fact. It is on my license, I thought, for the past four years that I was 5'7". Guys, I am 5'10". <laughs> and I don't know when I became that height, but apparently I am. So when I read about these protagonists looking up into the eyes of their man, that is unrelatable content to me. I, <laughs> Unless my partner is wearing boots... I don't see their eyes, point blank. <laughs> I see a little forehead and a little eyelash. I'm exaggerating, of course, but, like, that content in itself is not relatable. Most of the romance, less so now as I branch more out, and I'll talk about that in a second, but a lot of the romance books traditionally that I was suggested or given were white, male, white female protagonists with a white male protagonist, sometimes not, But usually the female is white, and you know that because she has blonde hair or red hair or some other trait that does not come naturally to me, so I have to mentally erase it in my head and make it brown. I have to make her straight, long ponytail into kinky curls, and her eyes brown, and her skin, when they say olive, I'm thinking my kind of olive, you know? And just, like, put myself onto this protagonist if I want to... to envision it in that way. So, should we have to continue to do that? Should we not include people that have diseases? And actually, this happens in Purple Heart. So, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know, guys. Uh, I, I do know. But <laughs> to, we're having a chill discussion, guys. I don't want to talk about it. But I don't know. Like, what do we as a society... <laughs> feel like we want to have in our romance? What does romance look in this modern age? I read a lot of queer books a lot more than I ever did as a youth because, well, honestly, when I was younger, it felt weird because there weren't that many, and at least that were available to me, and you had to seek it out and all this stuff, and then now there's so many, and I have just a bunch that I love and I cherish, and still there's a lack of representation we get our happy ever after but I I guess who's it for you know why can't we have people that are disabled or have you know different mental illnesses like I, I know that I've mentioned this on the podcast before but the book that actually made me realize that I love romance has, is a, was a kiss quotient and it has a female protagonist who is autistic and if you guys know anything about female autism spectrum or not spectrum sorry statistics is usually harder to diagnose and the author herself is a autistic woman and she talks about how it was cathartic for her to write this because so much of it mirrored her own existence and to read it while it is not a diagnosis I have there were a lot of things that I found relatable and the, the writing is funny and I'm going to reread this book soon I'm talking myself into it it is it's just good and it's a different perspective and it also she's not white and the male character is not white there is so much Depth and flavor to this book that I hadn't seen before and it ends with a happy ever after I think that all of this discourse, all this conversation that we're having about romance is important I definitely feel like there needs to be an adjustment in the voices that we are putting out there I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in my uh, recommendation, my mabob this week but I just feel like Maybe I can trade my happy ever afters or happy for now for representation. I was thinking about what I was going to say on this podcast episode when I was driving in um, to work today, and I was <laughs> I was thinking about Simply No Logical and um, her partner, Ben, her boyfriend, Ben, and it's so baffling to me because, well, from my Life perspective, marriage is something that I want. Marriage and children, that is something that I want. And so Christine and Ben talking about their relationship and about how that's very much not something that they want was very intriguing and different to me when I first heard them talk about it. And just the strength of their relationship um, being as it is and just being girlfriend and boyfriend without the government's little grubby fingers in their relationship means everything to them it's very validating and rewarding and it in relation to what we're talking about here what does a happy ever after look like for someone who doesn't believe in marriage or someone who doesn't fully believe in monogamy or someone who just a happy ever after for them is having fun or never getting married. And maybe they're just girlfriend. I shouldn't say just, but maybe they are girlfriend and boyfriend for life. Like those happy ever afters are also valid. And those fall in the romance. I know a lot of time we can end the note on boyfriend and girlfriend, but then also a lot of books have been doing these fast forwards where we see five years later and the guy is proposing or they're already married and have kids and they're at this event or something like that. So I don't know. I, I am holding with my little nails gripped in to romance. Need to have happy ever after, or at least happy for nows. But I'm. I I don't know. I'm curious. Will this actually affect the industry? Will publishers want to label things as romance that don't have that kind of ending? Or is a new subgenre gonna come? Like I said, I have movies. I would say um, The Internal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, Closer. Um, the t- 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 I just keep thinking of The Smiths. But, oh, 500 Days of Summer. Like, cl- those are what I consider romance heartbreak films where, oh, and La La Land even. I don't know if that's a uh, spoiler. I don't know. But, like, these are ones that I think cherish love and show you how love can make you grow and change and become either meaner or better or jaded or excited and i think that's romantic and they're very romantic films with romantic scenes in them but they don't have necessarily a standard happy ever after and is it only a happy ever after if the couple gets together can it be a happy ever after because you're happy with yourself and then it's at a different genre like i don't know like what what does that mean what do you guys think we're gonna slide into the mabob and i will hopefully talk to you guys from my own home next week (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mabob. So, for those of you that are new here, Mabob is movie, musical, anime, anime, anime or book recommendation. I'm going to leave that in because I think it's fun. Um, so, for this week's Mabob, I wanted to talk about a young adult novel that I read, um, a book called Happily Ever After. Um, it is the first in a series, and Guys, I cried, and it was, I, it's a romance, um, (laughs) but why did I cry? I felt represented, and I have realized as I've changed the media that I've been watching, the media that I'm consuming has been more queer, more black, more biracial, and just more me, but guys, I cried because it was the first time that I I experienced a passage that talked about hair like mine, like how it is to take care of it, how it is to brush it and moisturize it. And that seemed so silly, right? Because it's just hair. But in reading that passage and being like, yeah, I know, I really said I hadn't had that experience before. Yes, protagonists have had curly hair, but more like beach wave, more like, you know, It it's red or it's it's loose or you know, they're five five, (laughs) but reading this was impactful. They talked about being biracial and that experience and feeling half in half out. The love was cute and it was fun and it. We were allowed to be happy, <laughs> happily ever after. So it does include an H-E-A. Um, and I don't know, it, was, it not only did it have representation, it was also just good, you know. And I think it meant a lot to me. And reading it, knowing that it is more geared to people that are younger than me, also made my heart happy because I realize that this is the kind of content that the next generation is going to get. I think about that often. My work uh, has me working with people older than me and younger than me, and I see how able the younger generation is able to be themselves in different ways that so that can present itself. But just in the not that long since I've been out of high school, how much things have changed. And this book kind of help me capture that feeling. So regardless, even if that is something that you resonate with, if you, you know, are like, finally, I've been wanting someone to wake up and not be able to just put on a shirt and run out, you know, I've been wanting someone that, you know, has to wet their hair before they brush it, then I highly suggest, sorry, actually called happily ever afters with an S, but I highly suggest this book. It's beautiful cover as well. There is, like I said, a second book to it. I have not personally read it yet. It is very much on my wish list. That one is called One True Loves. Um, and they also are beautiful covers. They look great together. But Happily Ever After basically is the main character wants to meet a writer. And it is very important to her um, to write she gets accepted into this writing program however once she gets there she chokes she can't write and it's devastating to her so she enlists her friends to create this kind of i guess romance romantic trope bucket list to help inspire her and have her finally write her story there's also like i said i felt a lot of shame in wanting to seek out romance and then I realized I am just an unabashed romance lover <laughs> and I think that this character has a very similar growth because she does write romance and she is kind of ashamed that it's not as serious as the other writers in this like program so yeah I think it's really good it, if you like uh, if you do read Young Adult and you like kind of like school settings, it's got that. It's got a good group of friends. It's got good representation and just a lot of, lot of tropes, which are really fun um, as well. So, yeah, I would definitely check it out. Uh, with this, I am going to watch the rest of Never Have I Ever on the hotel bed that the company's paying for. And like I said, hopefully talk to you guys from my own bedroom next week. Um, I wish you all a great week and a lot of rest and read a lot of romance. (laughs) Anyway, I will talk to you guys later. Have a great day. Bye.